On today's episode, Taft calls Mac Jones a bust. Jay relives the storied career of Michigan Wolverine, Miami Dolphin, Jacksonville Jaguar, and Kansas City Chief Chad Henney. And I stand alone in defending Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All that's coming up as we preview NFL Conference Championship Weekend on Stone Cold Sports Talk. Stick around. Stone Cold Sports Talk, episode 33. I'm Luke Stone, joined by Taft Gant and Jay Banzett. No William Smith today, out with employment. Uh, let's get rolling. We've been doing it the last couple of weeks. Dive right in. Taft, give us a hot take. Yes, Stone, my hot take this week is going to go based on the latest NFL mock draft that I've seen. Um, and it's about Mac Jones. CBS has him going fourth overall right now to the Falcons. First of all, I think that's way too high, and I don't think he will go that high. But in every mock draft that I've seen, he is a projected first-round pick. I don't think he belongs in the first three rounds. I think Mac Jones will be a bust in the NFL. I think that he was hiding behind so much talent at Alabama. I mean, Throughout his career there, he had so many good wide receivers to throw the ball to, and then he had Najee Harris and Bo Scarborough in the backfield to take the pressure away. I think that Mac Jones is not going to be as good of an NFL quarterback as people think he will. He was great in college, don't get me wrong, but I think that was in large part due to the talent that he had on the roster, um, given the talent that Alabama breeds. And Mac Jones shouldn't be a first-round pick. He shouldn't be a second-round pick. He shouldn't be a third-round pick. But he will be up there, and that's why I think that looking back two years from now, he will be a bust in the NFL. Well, I'm just gonna say, on. wait, wait. Hold I'm on, just gonna say on. this. I'm just no, 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 no. I just gotta, I just gotta get this on here real quick. We don't. We have very primitive graphics here. Are you telling me, Taff, that this is not the body of a first-round pick? What about this says I don't belong in the first round? This is a winner's body because you know who else looked like this. This is a certain Thomas Edward Patrick Brady at the same age. I could Six pull rings, about to be seven. the pictures of quarterbacks in college that look unathletic. And Marcus Russell was like 260 and he got taken first overall. He's um, not saying he won't go. He's just saying he's going to go. Jay, you, rate that hot take. You had a reaction. I, I, I'm perplexed because as both of you know, I – follow the draft very closely year round it's like kind of my christmas like i'm a foot i'm a football aficionado but the draft is kind of like the thing that i get most excited about i haven't seen him going fourth overall anywhere and anywhere that does put him that high assumes that a he's going to go above justin fields b that somebody is going to want to take so here's this here's this mock draft that i'm looking at this is cbs please, please mock draft me. I, okay, Trevor Lawrence is first. Move beyond him. So CBS by Ryan Wilson on January 19th. So this is yesterday from when we were recording this podcast. Trevor Lawrence won. Zach Wilson two to the Jets, which I don't, which is just unreal to me. And then they're saying that the Panthers will trade up for the third overall pick and get Justin Fields, and then that will leave Mac Jones at number four. There's four quarterbacks? No, hell no. Ab- abs- no, that's that's asinine. I've heard – I've seen as many as five in the top ten. I've seen Lance, Wilson, There's Lawrence, no- Fields, and um, and Jones on going top five. 
the Jets are not going to draft a quarterback because they'll either keep Sam Darnold or trade for Deshaun Watson. Well, uh, we can have that. We can have that uh, conversation later. My hot take right. this week is probably Go going ahead, to make Jay hang up on the Zoom call. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. It's an old adage, but the thing that got me thinking about this most was last week, uh, ESPN after Alabama won national championship number, whatever it was, uh, they put together the all saving team. And I was struck when I looked at it, looked at it, that a lot of the guys on the offensive side of the ball were recruits from the last three, four years, you know, Tua playing quarterback guys like Najee in the backfield wide receivers. You know, they didn't, they used to, it used to be, what was his name? Marquise. Um, Marquise Mays. Mays. Yeah. It used to be guys like Marquise Mays not really good in the NFL. And then you've got, Amari Cooper, top five guy, Jerry Judy, great wide receiver, Devontae Smith, Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs, all those guys out um, going into the uh, into the top 10 or not top 10, but going into the uh, into the offense. And then on the defensive side, there were very few defensive players who came from the last two or three years. A lot of them came from the 2011 championship team. Minka Fitzpatrick was a notable name, but he was kind of the exception. But most of those guys were from, you know, the early 2011, 2012, when Alabama was averaging. Um, a ridiculous scoring defense number. So here are some of the numbers on the shift in college football and in the NFL, and which obviously just means football in general. The 2011 national championship team that Alabama had, the one that lost to LSU in the regular season and avenged it with a 21 to nothing victory in the BCS championship in New Orleans. It was first in scoring defense and allowed eight points per game and 20th in scoring offense. The 2020 national championship team was 13th in scoring defense and second in scoring offense to give a, I guess a bit of an overview of some of the last of the same change in the NFL over the last 10 years, the 2010, 2011 Super Bowl champion Packers. I guess that was, I want to say that was Super Bowl 43, 45. Anyway. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 45. You're right. You're right. It's 45. Um, 10th in scoring offense, second in scoring defense, and allowed 15 points per game. Um, in 2010, 22 of the 32 teams in the NFL averaged more than 20 points per game, but just one, the New England Patriots, averaged 30 or more. In 2020, 28 of 32 teams averaged more than 20 points per game, and five averaged 30 or more. In 2010, nine teams allowed less than 20 points per game, and this year it was only uh, four teams that allowed that number. And of this year's final four, here are the scoring defense ranks. The Buccaneers are the only team left in the NFL playoffs with a top 10 scoring defense. The rest of them, or I guess Kansas City, sneaks in right at 10 also. So Tampa Bay is eighth in scoring defense. Um, Kansas City's 10th in scoring defense. Green Bay is 14th in scoring defense. And Buffalo is 16th. Four of the top 10 scoring defenses in the NFL missed the playoffs, while nine of the top 10 scoring offenses made the playoffs. 11 of the 14 playoff teams were in the top half of the league in points for and 2020 finished as the highest scoring season in NFL history. All of this adds up not to mean that defense doesn't matter, but that if you have the choice between having a really good offense and a really good defense, you are going to pick having a really good offense. We hit, I think we hit the Super Bowl record for most yards in a game in the start of the third quarter of Super Bowl 52 with the Patriots and the Eagles. The next year was obviously somewhat anomalous, the 13 to three game. But when Jared Goff's in a Super Bowl, you're probably not going to light it up on the scoreboard. And then last year's Super Bowl, the, the San Francisco defense ended up holding Kansas City in this early in the second half. But when the floodgates opened, it was Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill in the one of the league's top offenses that won the day. 
I'm not saying you can win with a terrible defense because if you look at the bottom five of scoring defense in the NFL, they all miss the playoffs. But it's a lot easier to win a game 35 to 23 than it is to win 117 to 13. I'm waiting, Jay. I am waiting. See, I don't know. Ed Sorensen is the strong safety of the soon-to-be AFC champions. Ed Reed was the strong safety of them like 15 years ago. I don't know how I want to tackle this because – Good pun. Yes. Last season, if I remember correctly, and I could be mistaken, the league's best defense was the San Francisco 49ers, if I'm not mistaken, numbers-wise. They got all the way to the Super Bowl with a guy who we can all agree is a below-average quarterback in Jared Goff. Jimmy Garoppolo. They're the same person, but yeah. They're the same person. Jimmy Garoppolo holds that team back because when it is fully healthy, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, this year, the top scoring defense was the LA Rams, and the, I hate to blame it all on a quarterback again, but Jared Goff just doesn't get it done. Um, I'm very biased, as you have made what these viewers well aware um, in this call. But I, I would rather have an excellent. See, it's it's rare these days, and I get that because if you pay a lot of money on defense, you're not paying a lot at quarterback. Look at the, I mean, the Chicago Bears. They still are on or just finished. Mitch Trubisky's rookie contract. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and Emmanuel Ogba all just missed the playoffs because their quarterback was bad. They didn't have a court. They had two. And when you have two, you have none, basically. Yeah. Um, To your 49ers point, yes, they had a really, really good defense, but they also had the second best scoring offense, which really is helpful. They averaged 29.9 points per game. And they weren't even when they were winning playoff games in their first two, they still put up 27 and 37 points. They also they, held. They, they just ran. Who had the best team. offense? The Chiefs had the best offense, and they ended up winning that Super Bowl. Well, here is the top five in total offense from last year it was Baltimore, San Francisco. This is scoring offense Baltimore, San Francisco, New Orleans, Tampa, Kansas City. Tampa, obviously the Jameis thing, but four of the top five made the playoffs. The Ravens went 14 and two, the 49ers won the Super Bowl. The Saints, many would claim, were a Super Bowl quality, but the NFL overtime rules just robbed them. Um, but the in the top defenses, let's see. I still just don't see how San Francisco, like Raheem. I'm not saying having a really good defense isn't important. I'm saying that when given the choice, it, I, I, don't, I want you to find me the last team, and I guarantee it was more than five years ago, that had – that won the Super Bowl and didn't have like a top 10 scoring offense. I feel like you have to look back a long way to find that. Meanwhile, you can find a lot of Super Bowl matchups with 12, 14. You can't be terrible, but you don't have to be great. You need to just get stops. It's not about not letting them move the ball. Though. That's the, that those days are over. It's, it's about forcing turnovers. It's forcing. It's, it's turnover. It's just, it, the NFL changed from like, you want to hold them to three yards of play. You want to make them punt. You want to not let them in your half of the field to like, Forcing red zone turnovers, basically just kind of plugging holes with a really good pass rush to 
not expose having a really bad secondary and spend your money on offense. Anyway, moving on. Jay, this is a, I think this might be the hottest take, and we've had some hot takes this morning. Let's hear it. Throughout this whole season, basically ever since week one, he played really well. But I watched him play last week, and we've watched him play throughout the season because they are on national TV a lot, and justifiably so. I do not think Patrick Mahomes is the clear-cut best quarterback in football, and here's why. He finished the regular season second in passing yards. Great. He's behind Deshaun Watson by – what's the number? Oh, here we go. Yes. He's uh, 87 yards behind Deshaun Watson. And so, if exactly he, when he, it comes to averages, he was first. Yes. If he yeah. played the – he was the only one to average over 315 yards a game. But – but he ranks 16th in completion percentage. That's lower than Alex Smith, Mitch Trubisky, and Kirk Cousins. Okay? He's fourth in touchdown passes. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He took 22 sacks. That was 22nd in the league. But how much of that is due to A, stellar offensive line play, and B, having dudes – who could form a four by 100 track team in the Olympics getting open for him. Oh yeah. With probably the, mo- the best tight end in the history of the game and an offensive mind who can get people open and an offensive coordinator who is, I don't know why he's not being interviewed a lot more places, but he's the best hire available for somebody looking for a head coach. He finished second in QBR and third in pass rating. That's pretty good. But can you name a stat that I just listed outside of the yards per game stone that Patrick Mahomes ranked first in. Passer rating, no. I would guess probably probably interceptions in the month of December. I feel like the way he finished was also very not impressive. Yes. Down the stretch, I don't know what the split is. I don't know where we could find the split, but he seemed to turn the ball over a lot. Like the you you're you're a Miami Dolphins fan. You watch the Chiefs Dolphins. Times. He, he struggled. He he they nothing against the Miami Dolphins, but they have no business being in a game with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they were in it. Certainly. Because Patrick Mahomes turned the ball over. So to be he also, the, took, a, he also took a 30 yard sack in that game. Yes. To be the clear best at something, don't you have to be the best in yes, one of those categories at something? Like I I And the way, when you kind of contrast that with Aaron Rodgers is putting together a super strong closing performance. And I know it's, we're always eager to find the next person, crown the next star. Uh, you know, this guy's the face, the new face of the league or whatever. But I mean, if Aaron Rodgers makes the Super Bowl this weekend and if he wins the Super Bowl, we're really going to say that that guy who has, I don't know where his numbers stack up in that whole thing, but I, I have certainly found myself with my jaw on the floor more times watching Aaron Rodgers in the last month than I have been by watching Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers is first in touchdowns, first in QBR, and first in passer rating. And probably fewest interceptions, too. And he's first in completion percentage. Yeah. And fewest in interceptions, you're right. Tied with Gardner Minshew, who played nine games. So I like that. Good take. Good take. Yeah, so, I'm, just, I'm just saying he, he's, not, he's the face of the league. He's getting paid a lot of money, but – 
flip him with Matthew Stafford and see what the Lions look like. I don't think Liam, I actually believe Liam when he says this. Flip Matthew Stafford and Patrick Mahomes, and both teams will not differ that much. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know, but I, I think Stafford could be just as good as Mahomes, but I think Mahomes probably makes the Lions a lot better than Stafford makes them. Just by virtue of being young and a lot better at quarterback. RIP Phillip Rivers career. All right. Conference championship weekend preview time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will visit Lambeau on Sunday in the early game, which I feel like the NFC is supposed to be the late one. Cause I always associate like the NFC championship with being a little bit further West, but I guess it's not because of Kansas city. Can we get a fact? Can someone, can someone draw a line between Kansas city and green Bay and figure out which is further North? Let's see. Further north? Or not further north. I know Green Bay is further north. I mean further east, west, whatever that one is. Latitude, longitude, longitude. I think it's longitude. I don't know. Oh, Green Bay is further east. Wow. That's crazy. Never would have thought that. So I guess they get the early game. 305, 340, three, three something, I believe. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers plays host to Tom Brady. We haven't seen this matchup much because they weren't in the same division for or the same conference for quite a while we finally get it what do we think this game comes down to what's the key matchup you're going to be looking for on sunday Steph, why don't you go ahead and start i think that the key matchup like you said is going to be quarterbacks i mean these are two of the goats we got to see it last week in the book saints game uh, which was didn't live up to the hype, but it was still awesome to see Drew Brees and um, Tom Brady battling it out on the field. And we'll get to see something like that again this weekend with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I think that right now the difference is going to be the age and the quarterbacks. I mean, the fact that Tom Brady is one game away from his 10th Super Bowl appearance, unreal. I mean, he's clearly the GOAT, greatest player of all time, not even greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. But the difference in this game is going to be the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not 43. He's actually six years younger, and he's playing as good as he ever has, as you can tell by Jay's stats that he mentioned uh, during his hot take. And he proved that against the Rams. I mean, the Rams, we were saying, were the best defense in the NFL, and they put up 32 points um, in that divisional round game. Aaron Rodgers right now is better than Tom Brady, and in my opinion, is the best, playing the best football out out of any quarterback um, in the championship weekend. So I think that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense is going to be too much for the Buccaneers to stop. Um, And then also the Packers defense is playing with some swagger as well as they were doing a very good job of shutting down the Rams in that divisional round game. I think Packers take this one 31 to 28. I do think it's going to be close, but I think Packers – Packers have the edge in the quarterback realm. Stone, so the, these two teams played back in week six. Green Bay was 4-0 coming into the game. Tampa Bay was 4-1. It was a very hyped game. The final score was Tampa Bay 38-10, to okay? Both teams, Green Bay only had nine, or excuse me, 13 first downs in the entire game. They were better on third down than Tampa Bay was. Ran two fewer plays, but had – so remember last week when we talked about having – averaging 200 yards a game defensively is like an anomaly. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers had 201 total yards in week six against Tampa Bay. 
averaged 3.3 yards a play, had 107 passing yards, and Aaron Rodgers completed less than 50% of his passes. Okay. If you're if you're missing the point here, it's that it's an anomaly, and a a it's an anomaly, and b it won't happen again. Um, Tampa Bay actually stuck with the running game in that game. They had 158 yards on 35 carries. That's something unheard of in Tampa now. And I don't know how for the life of me this happened, but Tampa Bay did not commit a single penalty in the game. They had zero penalties for zero yards and scored two defensive and special teams touchdowns. That's not happening yet. Um, Aaron Rodgers had one bad game all year. That was the game. Uh, I remember watching that game, and I I don't remember much of it, to be honest, because I kind of tuned it out because I, I just knew it wasn't r- the real Packers. But it was the first game Devontae Adams came back from his, I believe it was a hamstring injury that he suffered uh, earlier in the season. He missed three games, I believe, came back for this game. Was Obviously was not his fully healthy same self, and the Packers lost by four touchdowns in Tampa. So with all that being said. So with all that being said, I'm trying to – I mean, Green Bay ran the ball. They had 94 yards rushing on 21 carries. That's four and a half yards a carry. That's not terrible. But it's just going to come down to whether or not Aaron Rodgers plays well. And, I mean, what is it now? 16 of 17 games he's played well. He's played MVP caliber football, and I expect the same again. So – I got the Packers. Give me Green Bay 31-20 and kind of a kind of a blowout, to be honest with you. I don't I think the the Bucks defense has been suspect outside of last week in this week six game against Green Bay. So and I just don't see I just literally don't see any team, Kansas City, Buffalo, anybody going to Lambeau and beating the Packers. And I I just cannot bet against Aaron Rodgers. I got the Packers 31-20. Well, the good news for uh Buffalo and Kansas City, so they don't have to worry about that. Last week's game was interesting for both teams. Obviously, the Packers much less so, just because I think they did kind of what people expected. The Bucks, though, winning by 10 against New Orleans was impressive. And there were a couple of things that were particularly impressive about that win. Um, chief among them being, if I were to tell you, and I heard this, I think it was on, uh, I want to say it was on the Bill Simmons podcast the other day. If I were to tell you that Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, um, and Chris Godwin, their four best receivers, were to combine for seven catches in less than like 60 yards. Would you have said that the Bucks had a chance to win that game? The answer obviously would have been no. Their leading receiver was Cameron Brait with four catches for 50 yards. Uh, and the person with the most catches was uh, Leonard Fournette with five for 44 Chris Godwin had four of those seven catches between the four best receivers. Um, and Alvin Kamara, someone who had been a lethal weapon for the Saints passing attack all year, had three catches for just 20 yards. Uh, usually he would get a couple more targets, a couple more catches, and a lot more. Devin White did a really good job of chasing him around. Um, and that that Bucks front seven in general did a nice job with that. I expect him to do the same with Aaron Jones. This is one of those games I think you have to throw out everything you're kind of expecting. Not nearly as much as you would with New England because you know that you know that Bill Belichick would have some game plan that would make you light your hair on fire. But I think 
Green Bay is a very good team. And I think there's like a nine, not 90%. There's never that high of a percent chance. I think there's a really good chance they're going to win this game, but I am going to pick against Green Bay this week because I don't know what it is. It, it, it's a Tom, Tom Brady has this sort of LeBron wait, factor now wait, where wait, I just don't minute. think he can lose. There's a reason it's a field goal spread and Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. It's because Tom wait. Brady's on the other side of that ball. Wait a I don't think it's crazy to expect that the Bucks are going to give Green Bay a much better game than we're expecting. I am going to pick Tampa here in an incredibly close game because the Packers rush defense is fine, not great. And I think that Bruce Arians being the somewhat anachronistic coach that he is, is going to try to do a lot to get playoff Lenny some touches and just bleed the clock. The Packers are nearing a chiefs level where the recipe to beat them is to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands as long as you possibly can. And it's kind of the advantage of having an offense that needs to be more methodical than big play, big play, big play. I wouldn't be stunned to see Tampa dominate time of possession. And I'm going to pick against Aaron Rodgers here. One, one, because I hope reality fades me because I really want Aaron Rodgers to be in the Super Bowl. And if I pick Tampa, it's the easiest way for me to get Rodgers a second Super Bowl. And second, just because I think it's Tom Brady hasn't been to a Super Bowl in two years now. He's 43. Every single one of these things is his last chance. And the offensive weapons, there is no name that is as big or as good as uh, Devontae Adams is. But, I mean, they beat the Saints last week, a team that dominated them twice, and their four best receivers weren't getting touches. Like, this team will figure out a way to win. They've been super hot. Brady wasn't great last week. His numbers were certainly not that good, but he avoided the big mistakes. I think he'll do that again this week. He averaged six yards in a temp last week. That's nothing impressive. That's bad. That's actually just legitimately bad for a quarterback. But they found a way to win, and they won by 10. I say they win 24-23, absolute squeaker in Lambeau, keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands for as long as possible. Fournette probably finishes in somewhere in the 60 to 80 yards on the ground range. Um, and Mike Evans will probably be rendered irrelevant by Jair Alexander. Jay, reasonable to expect, yes? Uh, Adam more shot Evans down last week too. Jair Alexander actually has not – like there's this guy at ESPN that does all this stuff. His name's Mike Clay. He puts out a shadow report every week. Jair, Jair Alexander actually does not travel in shadow receivers because Kevin King, they see Kevin King on the other side is also a very good corner. So they just typically settle in on one side to answer that question. I would not be stunned if this becomes the Scotty Miller game. If it's basically just the random Brady finds the slot receiver who got was either undrafted that you've never heard of. Um, and has a couple of big plays, but yeah, I'm going Tampa here mostly because I don't want us to be green Bay off the board across the board. That's kind of boring. Tampa 24 green Bay, 23 thriller Brady heads back home kind of for the chance at ring number seven. All right. The second game bills at chiefs. First of all, which do we think is going to be the better game? Are we all in on bills chiefs being much more, much closer than bucks uh, than bucks. Bill, Bill, bills chiefs is the game that we have talked about on this podcast wanting for basically ever since like week 17 so what that means is it's probably going to be a blowout yeah. just because we want it so badly it's and it's not going to be a fun blowout it's going to be like 26 to 13 like it's going to be just the worst kind of two score game like it's not even going to be i mean i'd rather have 52 to 10 than something else like that anyway jay why don't you start us off this time what are you watching for in the afc championship 
I'm watching to see how the Kansas City Chiefs try try they will not succeed to, to in my knowledge try to cover Stefan Diggs because he, Baltimore did a pretty good job and still lost but so we we know the Chiefs can score we obviously they are going to put up points this game will not be a 13 to 3 game between the Rams and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. This game will not be in the teens. There's just you knew the Bills were going to be challenged offensively last week because Baltimore's defense is really good and matched up really well cuz they can cover Stefan Diggs with Marlon Humphrey. The Chiefs best defensive player is Tyron Matthew and he he does not play corner. He plays safety, he's a hybrid safety nickel guy. Chris Jones is a phenomenal defensive tackle also. But step, let's look this up here. Stefan Diggs. Let's see. Stats for these games. All right. In the last, let's go, the last six games, seven games, all right. He's had 10 catches for 92 yards, 10 for 130 and a touchdown, 11 for 147 and no touchdowns, 9 for 145 and three touchdowns, 7 for 76 and half a game that he played against the Dolphins in week 17. In the playoffs, 6 for 128 and a touchdown, 8 for 106 and a touchdown. This dude is ridiculous. So I'm interested to see how they will plan to cover Stefan Diggs. And, oh, yeah, if you lock him up, you got second-team All-Pro Cole Beasley working in the slot. So that I expect Matthew will probably travel with Cole Beasley. So I'm just interested to see how they get Stefan Diggs going and, B, if they can get a, if they can stop the run. Because if you remember, these teams played back in week seven. Kansas City had 230 yards rushing, I think it was. So they just got to – and that's what Bu- Buffalo wanted them to do that, and they did it, and they still lost. So, and I'm still no Zach Moss, right? Zach Moss is out. They signed Devontae Freeman last week off the Giants squad. <laughs> Devontae Freeman is the backup running back for the Bills. So, I'm interested to watch how Kansas City covers Stephon Diggs and how Buffalo stops the run because I do expect Clyde Edwards Alaire to be back this week. I, I, are we doing scores yet, Stone? Or are we just doing no real scores? Let's hear them. I got the Bills 34-33. I'm not sure how 33 points will be attained. We talked about this earlier. Uh, but Harrison, Harrison, you Butker, say Harrison Butker, Shank. Harrison Butker, uh, there's like a 90% chance we'll miss the first extra point of the game. And then give me two field goals on top of that. So there's 33. Bang, right? I, think the, I think the ultimate sign of being a Chiefs over better, like in any game they play, just betting the over, is that you get super excited because they go down the field and score in three plays or whatever. It's like a Tyreek Hill bomb and then as they're still showing the replay, like they barely cut back in time and you see Butker's extra point just <laughs> going a little bit, right? Taft, what do you think? You, I mean, you roll, You have Bills winning the Super Bowl, so I guess you, you've got to keep rolling with this, right? Unless you're going to fade yourself here. That was my hot take in the beginning of the playoffs. I'll stick with it for the sake of the pod, um, but this is definitely a big week for them. I think the big question is whether or not Patrick Mahomes is going to play. I mean, obviously, he went down with that big hit, um, possible concussion, and we don't really know. Kansas City's being really quiet, and Andy Reid's 
interview, he didn't seem – it didn't seem that promising that Mahomes was healthy. He is supposedly practicing today. Yeah. Like that. He, he, he's going to practice guaranteed tomorrow. So I, I think still, But he still does have steps to get fully cleared, though. Anyway, sorry about that. So under the assumption that he does play, might not be fully healthy. Um, I don't know. I just think that the Bills, it just seems like their year. They're coming off the 17-3 to win over the Rams. The defense looked great. Josh Allen is playing great football. Um, and the Chiefs barely survived the Browns. And it took a heroic run on third and 14 by Chad Henney to set up a first down, which put the game away. I think the Bills right now are playing better football. And especially this year, in a COVID year, Arrowhead's going to have about 17,000 fans. It doesn't really give them a home field advantage. Both teams are used to playing in the snow, and it is in the forecast, of course, because it's playoff football. And I think that the Bills will go and get the road win over the Chiefs, 27-24. I think Kansas City's had a lot of distractions. Um, They're not positive that their MVP quarterback is going to play. The Bills know exactly what they need to do, stop the um, firepower of the Chiefs. But the Bills have firepower of their own, like you were talking about with Beasley and Allen. And I think Buffalo will go on to the Super Bowl 27-24. And I really wish William were here because I feel like I'm kind of standing on an island with all these picks, like the the last one uh, waving the flag. Buffalo's got a ton of weapons. John Brown was really good last week, had eight for 62 against Baltimore. Um, They managed to survive without a run game, had a huge pick six uh, against Lamar Jackson that ended up basically winning them the game. And for the last couple of weeks, when they've been kind of caught off guard by what has been and what hasn't been working, McDermott has done a great job of making those adjustments. Uh, Brian Dable, uh, this is what I heard, I think, on, uh, on, on Pardon My Take was he remembered that he was interviewing for head coaching jobs. So he was like, Oh, maybe we should, maybe we should uh, try to start running the football um, a little more in the second half. Um, I, I'm not going to pick against Kansas city. I'm not going to pick against Patrick Mahomes, assuming he plays at home, despite how good Buffalo has been. This kind of reminds me of the Jags Patriots, not near with not nearly as, as big a gap because obviously Josh Allen is a future star, but the narrative of the David versus Goliath, this is their year sort of uh, team that never has playoff success uh, sort of mentality. Obviously, the context of those teams and looking at the face you're making, Jay, no, I'm not comparing Blake Bortles to Josh Allen. I would never want to insult Blake Bortles like that. I, I, I just, this, but the team of destiny. People are not people are not calling Buffalo David trying to take down Goliath. Like they've won, they would have won 10 in a row if Hail Mary hadn't happened. They were the two seed in the in the. AFC like this is not some wild card team trying to come into Kansas City and pull off the upset of the decade I know but yeah that's kind of the reputation that Kansas City has merited over the past few years I mean this is their third straight year hosting an AFC championship game two years ago Buffalo wasn't in the playoffs I don't think yeah, two years ago, I don't think Buffalo was in the playoffs. No, it was three years ago. They won- They went to Jacksonville. And lost, what, 10-3 or something like that something with Peterman? Like yeah, before they got a quarterback. Anyway, um, I think it, it does kind of have that sort of feel to it. And the way it was a couple of years ago was, you know, we saw Jacksonville with the lead early. It was, oh, my gosh, is Jacksonville actually going to make the Super Bowl? Was this going to happen? You know, first time for everything. Obviously, it wouldn't be Buffalo's first time. They went four in a row, lost them all. But uh, beside the point. I just think Monday morning when Kansas City wins and goes to their second Super Bowl in a row, 
there are going to be a lot of people who wake up and go, why did we ever think Patrick Mahomes was going to lose a home playoff game? Why, I mean, without, without a, a Tom Brady figure on the other side. Allen can certainly get there one day, but any point, at any point, it seems they can always find the Tyreek Hill quick hitter that you're like, oh, this is going for three yards, and then it goes for 11. Or on third and 12, they can always find that Travis Kelsey is just infinitely open sort of play. If Edwards Alaire is playing, they can find some little screen pass for him. I, as good as Buffalo's weapons are on offense, I don't, at the end of the day, it's going to be Buffalo needing to outscore Kansas City. And I think Kansas City's been here before. They've seen how it goes when they've lost. They they know what it's like to be the team that's leading in the fourth quarter. And uh, before Andy Reid had the Super Bowl under his belt, and he got tight and he got outcoached by Bill Belichick and they lost the game. And Chris Jones was also um, offside. But that happened to them. They know the pain of that. They know how much it's how much it stinks to lose a home AFC championship game. They learned from their mistakes. They got aggressive. I mean, Andy Reid called a play for Chad Henney that he would have called for Patrick Mahomes on fourth and one and left a little bit more time on the play clock than he probably would have liked because he's just at that point where he's kind of like, I won the Super Bowl. This is my second. I'm the only coach in NFL history to host back-to-back-to-back AFC championship games in both conferences. I can do whatever I want. Um, I have a long runway. I've brought these people what they want. And the only way I'm going to get there is by, you know, kind of staying that gutsy. And I don't see Andy Reid getting out coached by Sean McDermott. I don't see Josh Allen outplaying Patrick Mahomes. And I don't see the Kansas City Chiefs uh, losing to the Buffalo Bills. High scoring, great game. Um, it's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be easy. I think Buffalo is probably entering the game with a little bit of an advantage. And I think that Kansas City will slowly just get a little bit more comfortable as they reacclimate themselves to a situation that basically everyone on the roster has already been in. I'm going to say Kansas City wins this one 31-28. Please don't be a dud. Football gods, you know how we wanted Ravens Bills really badly and you gave us a 17-3 just total clunker? Please don't do that for the AFC Championship or the NFC Championship. No one wants to watch an 11-point game. It's boring. What, does Jay want to watch an 11-point game? (laughs) I love 10-3 ball games where it changes on a pick six. Are you crazy? <laughs> Defenses? Are you serious? Watch that all Yeah, game. not all of us can look and go, oh, man, the cover three they're running is really working. We're like, why can't they throw the ball to Stephon Diggs? Why can't they find Michael Thomas on a slant? It seems like it's one of the easiest things to do. Oh, Michael Thomas is the most overrated probably player in the NFL, and I'm sick of it. I put together one of my favorite graphics of all time yesterday. I sent it to a group chat, y'all, and you saw it. It's the cycle of – Player gets drafted really high in fantasy, expected to be really good all season. Player totally disappoints all season long, puts up like career low numbers, no one likes it. Once he makes the playoffs, it's sealed by one final really bad performance. And then the team comes in the next day, creates some semi-necessary surgery that he might need to say, well, he was playing hurt for the second half of the season, and that's why he's bad, not just that he's horrendously overrated. And that's how they justify one. His underperformance, and two, the team's criminal underutilization of him. As that, a- that the Saints, that is, below. Bo- I can't. Don't, don't say, say the word. Don't say the word. We're a clean podcast. Ho- ho- it's horse nonsense. He played week one, got hurt. Right? How many? Let's look at how many games Michael Thomas missed this year. I'm going to say nine, because it's it never as lot. many as it seems. It's never as many as it seems. Unless- no, because he had, he had Taysom Hill for a couple weeks. All right. Over under 10 and a half. What do we think, Taft? I'd say under that. I think nine's a good number. 
He played in nine of 19 games, so he missed 10. That was a really ten, good He missed 10 and a half in the second half of the first game. All right. His best game of the season. Four catches. No, he actually had nine against Atlanta. Nine for 104 against Atlanta. He had nine for 105 against Atlanta. Three for 17. What was his best against a team that is, like, competent? A team that's competent. He played Chicago in week one, uh, last week in the playoffs, had five for 73 and a touchdown. Um. Okay, that's like average against, guy numbers. Against Denver, who was missing its top, I believe, five corners from Thanksgiving on, had four for 50 in a game where Kendall Hinton played quarterback. Whoops. God, I'm sick of it. He had two for 27 against San Francisco. He took he, – he got hurt on September 13th and came back November 8th. That is two months, okay? Expect a little bit recovery. Either knock him – he was put on IR. If he's hurt that bad, put him on IR for and just let him sit to the playoffs. But no, I'm enough of me. I'm sick of Michael Thomas. I want nothing to do with him on a real football team, on a fantasy team, nothing. I'm sick of him. And you're not even a burned Michael Thomas fantasy owner. You're still jaded about this. No, no I was going I was going to trade for Michael Thomas until your Liam Desmond friend took him and go ahead and take him. Oops. But I pulled off the trade. I'm just saying, I pulled off a heist in fantasy last year and traded a first and second rounder for Mike Michael Thomas, and it really worked out. Even though I was a top scoring team in the league, but lost in the first round of the playoffs because I'm cursed. All right, segment three: fantasy trade machine. I'm going to go first. You guys know how badly I want this. I'm just going to put it out into the universe, and God willing, I'll manifest it. Okay, I want Deshaun Watson really, really badly, and I'm willing to give up. In context, he wants it in in Miami. Yes, um, I'll give up to a tongue of Iloa the 2021 third overall pick, the 2021 18th overall pick, a 2022 first rounder, and a 2022 third rounder. I know that there are people who are saying that Tua and just the two first rounders this year are enough. I don't care. Give give Houston some candy. I kind of feel bad that, that Miami fleeced him with Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills for basically the entire roster right now. That seems kind of unfair, especially given that Houston is the worst job in the NFL now um, and has a team chaplain uh, as GM whose strategy I think is just kind of Jesus take the wheel on free agent signings and whatnot. Um, but yeah, Deshaun Watson to Miami, please, 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 please make it happen. Who added the Allen Robinson signs wherever Deshaun goes? You, the biggest Allen Robinson supporter on planet earth, get him on a team with a competent quarterback, wherever Deshaun, he's a free agent. Get, take the, Carol- Jay, take the Carolina gear off right now. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to say Allen Robinson has a, has, he's has an, he has an NVP caliber quarterback. An MVP caliber quarterback. MVP. Get get Allen Robinson. He's had, God bless him, has had Nick Foles, Trubisky, who is, Trubisky is not bad. He's in a Do you mean a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a double and doink victim? He's, Blake Bortles was his quarterback for many years. Get just, if you watch Allen Robinson play, like if you watched him against the Saints. I'd rather watch him with Breeze and Breeze can't throw. If you want, he's not he's not a phenomenal deep threat. He's an he's he's Des Bryant basically is who he is. Des Bryant was a little deep threat, but he Des excelled in the intermediate area and winning contested catches. Allen Robinson is the reincarnation of Des Bryant. 
get him a top a competent quarterback and watch what happens. He'll have thirteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns. Can you be a reincarnation of someone who's still alive, or is that just a clone? Sorry, totally off topic. I don't even. I don't even, I don't even consider Des Bryant to be in the league anymore. <laughs> his his career is dead. So he's the reincarnation of Des's career. All right, who's got, the, who's got the Zeke trade? Someone, I, I'm, I'm. This is interesting. I like this. Liam Desmond and Bo Watson. And I have talked about this. They don't, they don't necessarily like it, but they see where I'm coming from. The Cowboys. Pollard defense stinks. They, they stink. The defense is horrible. Cowboys pick tenth in the draft. If a defensive player gets past them at ten, we get problems. Draft another wide receiver. Just for I love I I love Ezekiel Elliott. I have a Zeke jersey. I have had it since fall of sixteen. I am a big Zeke fan. But, but th- there's a big old but coming. Zeke, Zeke missed one game this year, and in that one game, Tony Pollard. Let's let's look here. He had over thirty fantasy points. I remember that. Tony Pollard. In that game against San Francisco. No, that's not what we're looking for. Here we go. In that game against San Francisco, 12 carries for 69 yards and two touchdowns. 5.8 yards a carry. Is that like half as many touchdowns as Zeke had all year? I feel like he never scored. Where? He, he had some res- – and then – no, this, this is what we're looking for. Um, how did he only play in five games? He had six five? catches – to go along with six catches for 63 yards and let's Robert Sala was one of the best defense coordinators now the head coach of the Jets that is a good defense and he went berserk on them so and he's younger and he's not getting paid 13 million dollars next year yeah because you know New England really loves having giant contracts sorry so trade Zeke Elliott to New England for 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, who is th- he is 30 years old. He is scheduled to make $16 million next year, and he is supposed to be a free agent this time next year. But we're trying to win right now. Dak Prescott is here right now. The offensive line is not going to be intact much longer. Are they intact anymore? Are we considering that O-line still intact? We, we we got injuries beyond. They're held together by duct tape and Velcro and hot glue. Yes. So trade Zeke and his contract. He's a, he's a free agent in 2027. He is taken care of. New England does not have to worry about him. Trade this is Zeke. straight up Zeke for Stephon. Stephon Gilmore. Straight up. They're basically making the same amount of money. The Cowboys have a need at corner. The Patriots, Damon Harris is okay, but he's not Zeke Elliott. And it's probably better. <laughs> Sony Michelle will show up somewhere. Rex Burkhead. Yeah, I mean, at least it would save if uh, if he made New England give up a first round pick, it would save Belichick the embarrassment of whiffing again in the first round. He might be like one of the worst first round drafters he, 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 in NFL history. He's bad. I mean, he's he's really bad at that. He'd take Mac Jones. Probably. Taff would be irated him, but he'd take Mac Jones. I know, but he'd be a system quarterback just like Brady, right? Just like system quarterback, 43-year-old Tom Brady, who's playing in Super Bowl number 10. Yes. Meanwhile, the right. team he got divorced from went seven and nine and had to start Cam Newton. Yeah. All right. Well, what's the next tap? You got another trade? You got a trade for? Yeah. Um, the Colts, 
obviously need a quarterback now. Um, R.I.P. Philip Rivers. Let Jacoby Cook. <laughs> Throwing it back to 2018. Sorry. He's a, he's an NC State guy. Taff has got to be all over this. We're going Phil Rivers, NC State. Brissett, NC State. Why not go sign Mike Glennon? Wait, and Jacob Eason and Jacob Eason went to Georgia at one point in time. Yes. The quarterback yeah, room is filled with Tafgant with with uh, Tafgant Mitch. Uh, Tafgant got his fingerprints all over the conversation. The quarterback conversation. Are you Chris Ballard? <laughs> so Philip Rivers obviously retired. Um, Jacob Eason. Now there's a lot of free agents. I think Jacoby Brissett's free agent. So the only quarterback that's in that quarterback room that my fingerprints all over all over apparently is Jacob Eason, 2017 fourth rounder. He's not. He's not your franchise quarterback. He's not going to be your starter next year. So, what I think the Colts need, you already have Deshaun Watson taking your hypothetical. Deshaun Watson, he's great. He could end up in a lot of different teams, but I want Jameis Winston to Indianapolis. The Saints, I would have to resign Jameis. I think that there's a chance that another team is going to try and trade for him. But in this hypothetical, Jameis Winston to the Colts. Really, the only thing setting Indianapolis back right now from a deep playoff run is having a good quarterback with their defense and then with um, all the weapons they have on offense. I think if Jameis Winston is in Indianapolis, they have a good chance of doing very well. So not sure exactly what it would take for Indianapolis to give up. Probably some draft picks they'd have to pay him. They don't, uh, they don't, even, they don't even have to trade for him because he signed a one-year contract with New Orleans. He can just leave on his own. So he's a free agent? Yes. All right. So I know this is a trade machine, but sign James. It, 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 it's, it's the trade machine free agent area. Allen Robin, get Allen Robinson again, get him on a team with a quarterback, and get Jameis Winston to the Indianapolis Colts. That's, that's the two takeaways. Out it doesn't need to be a trade. I think it's more just that the uh, Colts need a quarterback. We're picking, yeah. them, up, we're picking them up off the uh, waiver wire free agent pool. The Colts need a quarterback, but I do think that Jameis Winston is going to be good you think for teams that are tanking matthew barry ever writes like a top 10 waiver wire fines for trying to tank in 2021 probably um i will say this trey burton in his uh career at florida um he played a little bit of quarterback oh, no. freshman year 11 for 17 65 completions um 103 yards and a pick so they can't find a quarterback, just run yeah. wildcat. Just have Jonathan yeah. Taylor in when you're running and when you're passing, you have Trey Burton throwing like four yards. It's basically just having Drew Brees back there. He did throw the Philly special pass. He did throw oh yeah. He did throw the Philly special oh, pass. Exactly. He's he's a he's thrown more touchdowns in the Super Bowl than Jared Goff. And Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um it is now time, sorry, low boy Jared, but please be better. It is now time for the throwback sports thing of the year presented by the pool and weed eater independence bowl. We would have been kind of a directional, but thank not. Thank goodness. Obviously concussions are never good, but we got to see Chad Henney. Let's hear it. Chad Henney went to Michigan. He was first team all big 10 in 2007, which Michigan, the only reason anybody remembers 2007 Michigan was that was the year they lost to app state. He was second team all big 10 in 2006. Coming out of high school, he had 40 scholarship offers and got them down to a final five of Michigan, who he ultimately chose Miami, Georgia, Tennessee, and Penn State. He was a 2004 U.S. Army 
All-America Bowl player on the East team. He was the second true freshman in Michigan history to start week one. You got to remember, remember the guy who was in Ann Arbor eight years prior to this guy arriving. It would have been Tom Brady. Thomas keep Edward Patrick. In, keep yeah. this in context. Keep these numbers in context. He completed, what was this completion percentage? I think, I think it was around 59% of his passes for 9,715 yards, 87 touchdowns, and 37 interceptions. All of those are school records that still stand to this day. Including the interceptions? Including the interceptions. Tom Brady played years before, or less than a decade earlier. And Stone, we love looking at this. Chad Henney, Wonderlick, test at the combine, got a 22. For context, Matt Flynn in that same draft got a 38. Matt Ryan was a 32. Joe Flacco got a 27. And a guy named John David Booty got a 14 at quarterback. Where did he go to college? I do not know. I was thinking of John Parker Wilson. Oh, that's that's another classic. John David Booty played at USC and got taken in the fifth round. Wow. This seems like a guy William would, Smith would know all about. This is, yes. we miss you, William. We need you back. For those averages, Wonderlick averages in that draft. Tackles, the average to 26. That's the highest. Oh, John Parker Wilson is now a financial advisor, by the way, in Birmingham for Morgan Stanley. That's his, that's his post being quarterback. His LinkedIn literally has a quarterback, Atlanta Falcons, three years, five months. Quarterback, Jacksonville Jaguars, seven months. Oh <laughs> Ultimate flex. And then um, and then like a year later was working as a financial advisor. Good for you, John Parker Wilson. It's, it, he's, he's John Wolford. John Wolford had financial arrangements. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a LinkedIn boy. Quarterbacks averaged a 24 in that wonder. Like, so what do you think was the lowest positional average? by? What was the position and what was the average? Defensive line, seven. Running backs average 16. Fullbacks average 17. So the dudes who are banging their heads against each other all play or so. Wait, the guys Emmett getting those concussions in 2007 didn't do well on the Wonderlick? If Emmett Iden is listening fullback from Woodbury Forest last year, he will be very proud of the fullbacks outscoring the running backs in the Wonderlick test. So Chad, that's Chad Henney. Michigan quarterback has been in the league ever since journeyman. May end up starting in an AFC championship game this weekend. Potentially. Here's what I will say about Chad Henney. Um, here's what I know Chad Henney for being. I know him for being the Chad that we went to when Chad Pennington got hurt in Miami. Chad Henney was the franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins for three seasons. He went seven and six, six and eight, and then 0 oh and four before being benched for maybe it was Tyler Thigpen. Might have been Tyler Thigpen, oh Pat White. Um, those names are all also throwbacks, but very niche throwbacks. Okay. Facts or fake news time. Hold on. Stone, we have a piece of breaking news. The Lions have hired Saints assistant head coach Dan Campbell to a deal to be their head coach. Oh, I love Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. Seriously. He was the interim when Joe Philbin got fired after the London, um, after the London drubbing at the hands of the New York Jets in like 2013. He was a great interim. Um, That's a good hire for that. I mean, it's the Lions. I can't get that much worse. Like what? I mean, the only thing, the only, I mean, maybe they could have called Harbaugh or Ryan Day. Um, 
I like that hire. I actually really, really like that hire. That's great. That's fantastic news. Good for him. Tight end coach to head coach. What a what an elevation. All right, facts or fake news. Duke, Carolina, Kentucky will all miss the NCAA tournament. And now we're down to two because Taft had class in person. Boo. Uh, yeah, I don't know what an in-person class is. That's uh, a, for- a foreign concept as of right now in Chapel Hill. Go Heels. Uh, speaking of Carolina. Are we adding? Oh, I guess they are on that list. I. This is actually tougher than I thought it was. I think what. I think we'll sneak in. I think Duke Duke stinks, if we're being honest. If you watched the Pitt game last night, they are, they have three ACC wins against the three worst teams in the conference. Dave Portnoy, made hit, Dave Portnoy does one college basketball bet of the year, and his bet of the year was Pitt plus four, and it hit. It hit big yes. time. Yes, it hit. Pitt, out, Pitt thoroughly outplayed Duke last night. Um, what a world. Kentucky, Kentucky's going to miss. That's a guarantee. <laughs> unless they somehow win the SEC tournament. And if you watch Alabama score 25 points in the first six minutes of the game last night, you think otherwise. Uh, I think we'll get in barely on the bubble. And Duke will – I don't – Duke may miss it if we're being entirely – I mean, Carolina, we haven't played well, but we've played – we've at least, like, played decent teams. Hey, it's fine. It'll be Coach K's first NIT title. Got to add to the trophy case. So, I'm going to say this is fake news, but I – it's a lot closer than I thought it was. I'll grab onto it with facts. I haven't watched enough college basketball to know otherwise, so facts. Facts or fake news number two, the Jets won't draft a QB in the first round. Fake news. No. Fake news. You're gonna you're gonna let a, you're gonna let a defensive guy draft a quarterback in the first round and you have someone who's like okay enough right now. It, just, it doesn't matter. You're not gonna make the playoffs next year anyway. Tra- trading down with the Bengals to five makes too much sense. Who would sense it take? Yeah. Yeah, it make it makes too much sense. And then what, you probably get out of that DeMar, either Jamar Chase or Devontae, or Devontae. Smith, whoever's sitting there at five. Yeah, it Atlanta's not taking a wide receiver. No. Right? Yeah. No. I would. It, it I would. I would love to see the Jets go full defensive guy though, and just like draft Micah Parsons at two. <laughs> oh that would be classic Jets. All right, facts or fake news number three: the Nets have no excuse, even with an injury not to win the Eastern Conference now that Kyrie is back from whatever Kyrie was on. I, I mean, facts, right? You got to think. I mean, oh, yeah. Harden and what? You think they don't have – you think they have an excuse? No, hell no. If they, yeah, I'm saying facts. They have no excuse. I'm saying even barring injury to one of those three. Now, two of the three makes a different story. But barring an injury to one of those three, they have no excuse. Literally, if all three are healthy, they have no excuse. Steve Steve Nash has the easiest and hardest job in the history of the National Basketball Association. It's like being Eric Spolstra. Yes. So they have no they have no excuse unless unless two of the three stars get hurt. They have no excuse. Or Kyrie like disappears after game two. Goes and takes that- a vacation to Vegas like Rodman did. Well, it's just funny because like. There is no parallel there because the Rodman Kyrie thing, I mean, they're both weird, but other than that, it's kind of where the similarities run out. I don't think Kyrie was in Vegas for five days. Um, Yeah. I think there's no excuse, especially given that there is no one. I mean, if Durant is playing this well and he's better than Giannis, 
if Durant, yeah. when Durant is playing at his very best, he is a better player than Giannis. And it's not to say that he's more dominant, but when you can shoot the three, I give you the advantage. Um, and he can do that better than Giannis by a long shot. I think he's shooting like 48% from deep uh, so far this season. And you have James Harden and you have Kyrie Irving. There should be no excuse. They should be the number one seed in the East. They should win the East with relative ease. I mean, they should, they should, they should realistically, win. they should win the East in 20 playoff games. Top, or wait. Less. No, 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 less. Sorry, I was thinking full. What, four to win, three round. They, they should win in 15 games. They should sweep the first round. I don't know who they'd play in the second round. They should win that one in five. And I think they could honestly clean up Milwaukee in six, fully healthy. It's so important to remember that Milwaukee. If they have the top three, they should sweep Milwaukee. Milwaukee look bad. No, but by the playoffs, they'll be in a position to steal. You also got to remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about the Bucks. What have the Bucks done in the playoffs the last two years? They've given Giannis a lot of much-needed rest so he can be more rested when he watches the NBA Finals on TV. Giannis is getting paid the most money, $45 million, the most money in American team sports right now. Budenholzer is about to get – he's going to get Dwayne Casey. Yes. He's going like, – they're going to be the one seed. They're going to lose in the playoffs, and they're going to look and be like, wait, we're paying this guy $50 million a year, and he's playing 32 minutes a game in – in, in deciding moments of, of the playoffs. He's the defensive player of the year, reigning defensive player of the year, not guarding James Harden or Kevin Durant in the closing minutes of the Nets game this week and does not get the final play drawn up for him as a reigning MVP. That's what happens when you don't have a jump shot. Yeah. I mean, it's what happens when you don't have a jump shot because they just crash the rim and then it's what? I mean, take your chances. Who took the shot then? Chris Middleton. Yeah, that's the problem. Chris Middleton is taking your decisive shot and the guy you're paying 45 is a decoy. I agree. No excuse for the Nets. They got to go to the finals. Now, what do we think about the hypothetical Lakers-Nets NBA finals, if that's what we the get? Nets, the Nets should win that. They should, but you think they would if they got there? LA doesn't have enough guard play. They don't have enough, they don't have enough defensive guards because they lost Avery Bradley. Um. Schroeder is a great offensive player. He doesn't have much defensive ability. Uh, Horton Tucker is going to be the decisive player in the NBA finals. It's going to be interesting. DeAndre Jordan is basically going to be locked up with Anthony Davis the entire series. Yeah. Cause the, the thing with Durant is as good as he is, he's not quite like the LeBron Giannis guard him anywhere. Cause he's not big enough. Um, cause those guys are both, yeah, you can put me on your one and I'm going to shut him down and you can put me on your five and I'm going to shut him down too. Uh, the interesting thing, and, and where do you play Davis? Cause he can't guard, he's not going to guard any of the big three, right? I mean, he's not, who do you no. throw? I mean, you can't, I'm telling you, he and, he and DeAndre Jordan are just going to be banging heads the entire series basically. Yeah. I, I hope we get a Nets Lakers finals. That should be a classic. Yeah. I think my, I think the next best thing would be for. Maybe Denver. That'd be fun. Jokic in the finals. Yeah. He'd get swept, but still average like 14 assists a game. Yeah. One of those sorts of deals where it's like, I know I'm not going to win this thing. Um, the Jamal Murray disappearance has been a great story this year too. Disappearance? Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. he came out of the bubble and everyone put him on like the same plane with like the Jason Tatum. They put him on the Oliver conversation. Yeah, exactly. The bubble was just all an anomaly. All right. Philip Rivers is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Facts. First ballot? Yes. And he's like fifth in every passing category ever. I know, but including interceptions. 
is I, I is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? Is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? Yeah, because he's going to be up there too, and he's done more playoffs than Phillips. I personally think anybody who's ever won an MVP is a Hall of Famer. That's high praise for the MVP. Um, I, I, think, I mean, yeah, the thing think we haven't been Hall we haven't been alive long enough to know what to know what the cutoff is for a Hall of Fame career. Because we won't know, I won't. I basically won't know how to evaluate quarterbacks' Hall of Fame resumes until I see what happens with like these on the cusp guys, with, like with Eli Manning, with Eli Manning, Romo. with like Romo. yeah, with like Eli Manning, Tony Romo, um, Philip Rivers, and like the I'm trying to think. Of, oh, Matt Stafford, like those kinds of guys. Matt Stafford is not a MV, is not a Hall of Famer. I know, but he's going to end up being like top ten and all the categories and check all those boxes and who knows maybe the dan campbell thing works out they win like two playoff games it's enough i don't know if he's i mean it's because it's all subjective we don't know what's the we don't know what the allowances i i think at the hall of with the hall of fame conversation you need to decide it is it is both possible for someone to play in the league a long time and be a really good player but not be like hall of fame material yeah. And I think Philip Rivers is right on the border of that. Um, if they considered fatherhood as a category, he w- would be like an automatic Hall of Famer. If it was like the number of children that of, he would of, already be, they would make the restriction for him. You do not have to retire and wait five years. You, the shrine would be the shrine, the shrine in Canton would be to him. I I guess he is. The wart is always going to be the whole the playoff thing, and and I think it's possible to accept that with an, it's it's possible to accept that with an asterisk. I mean, in basketball, and I know they're not perfectly similar because basketball the fewer players and stuff. But I mean, James Harden is probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and if if he hadn't gone to Brooklyn and finished in Houston, his playoff resume would have been pretty drab too, especially given some of his like where is James Harden sorts of nights and decisive games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll say facts on it because it probably will be. I just don't know how much I like it. I love Philip Rivers. I think he's a really good dude, but it's like the the Philip Rivers thing opens the floodgates to like playing a long time and having a, a, a couple of yards. And it's different from like guys like, well, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. It's like, well, yeah, but he also like lit up the league every single year for 10 years in a row. Um, yeah. Philip Rivers never really did quite that, I don't think, unless I'm remembering something. Also, the picks, the picks were huge. Um, all right, facts or fake news number five. Drew Brees belongs on the Mount Rushmore of NFL QBs. So Joe Montana, Tom Brady automatically on there, right? Yeah. It's tough. How far back are we allowed to go? Like, is a Johnny Unitas guy allowed to be on there? Like, what's yeah. the – so is he on there? I don't know. I, this, is the, this is what I was saying before we went live is that I mean, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to evaluate Steve Young? And obviously I, I do understand Steve Young is a lot younger than Johnny Unitas was. Um, I mean, what Norm Van Brocklin is the most passing yards in a game of all time for the Rams. Am I supposed to throw him on Mount Rushmore too? Um, I, th- I think Breeze is just cause he's like, this... it's tough because. I mean, he did win the Super Bowl. There's that. He hasn't been to one since then. And he, he like. So does Marino, go, does Marino go on the Mount Rushmore? 
the last four years we've come into the season saying this is the Saints year. They have enough talent around Drew Brees to get it done, and they haven't gotten it done. They were also the worst missed pass interference call away from playing in the Super Bowl and being in a fair fight. And I'm not saying that justifies it. I, I don't think that's that's somewhat uh, that might not be pertinent into this conversation. Uh, I think it's certainly valid. I mean, it's not like they choked in the first round every time. It's not like Drew Brees was responsible for the Minneapolis miracle or for the Kyle Rudolph push off, um, which I think is basically just a thing in New Orleans. But um, I'm going to say I, I'm going to I'm going to say facts because I don't think you can retire the second best or what he's in leads in passing yards and his second in passing touchdowns now behind Brady. Yeah. And is the highest completion percentage ever. Who is it Brady Manning Breeze Montana? Does meaning go on there? Probably. Yeah, I think it's probably those four. And yes, this is definitely skewed toward our generation because it's what we grew up with. But I think it's also, I mean, no one, there's no Barry Sanders or um, there's no Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith. There aren't that many Barry Sanderses or Emmett Smiths running around in the backfield anymore. Like quarterback is a lot more important than it was um, way back when. I mean, there's a reason the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game, their running back had 40 carries for 209 yards. And now if a running back has 40 carries in two games, it's like headline news. Um, The Lamar Smith game, by the way, go back and watch it. If you're a Dolphins fan, it's incredibly depressing that, you know, it's like people are like, oh, we don't have the quarterback, but we didn't have the quarterback. It was Jay Fiedler back then also, and I wouldn't consider him to be a Drew Brees type figure. All right, that is all for Stone Cold Sports Talk. Episode 33 began the day already shorthanded, ended it even more shorthanded. Jay, thanks for sticking with us through the end. Uh, We will see you next week. Go Pack Go, maybe. Oh, wait, no, I picked the box. Never mind. Football gods, please fade me. Let's just have a good football game. Let's have two good football games, and please fade me so we can get Mahomes-Rogers in the Super Bowl, the State Farm Bowl. It'd be fantastic. All right, we'll see you next time.